Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. Instead of becoming yet another burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my own terms, enabling me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating the challenges of two kids, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I'm now on a mission to help lawyers do just that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both life and law. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hey there. Welcome to episode 17 of the Life in Law Podcast. This is your host, Heather Mulder. And today we are getting into part two of Mindful Return with Lori, with our guest Lori. So we are going to get into, we are finishing up our conversation. Last week was the first part. If you missed last week's conversation, then you're going to want to go back and listen to that because we're just going to jump right in. Uh, I talked to her for over an hour when I interviewed her. And this is the second part. I had to kind of just pick a place that made sense to separate the two. So it's going to dive right in. Last week, we got into what a mindful return is and how to do it. And today, we are going to talk a little bit first about issues relating to the men out there, to dads, because I think it's not talked about often enough. And there are lots of men who do want to take a parental leave. And then we also are going to get into it from the employers and the management perspective. What you can do as management, as an employer, to help your employees take a more mindful leave and how to create a culture around that and why, why it's so important. So we're just going to dive right in. I hope you enjoy today's episode. What advice, because I I feel like with the younger generations of men, they want to be more active in their kids' lives than a lot of their fathers were. And frankly, more and more women work and a lot of women out there who are very high achieving, very high, you know, so you have this dual relationship. Um, What advice do you have for the guys out there? Yeah. So first of all, I think it's something like 66% of uh, U.S. families have both parents working in the workforce. Mm -hmm. So lots of dual career families. The research shows that the more involved a dad is early on in the baby's life, the better his wife's, his partner's career ends up being and the more options she ends up having. Mm -hmm. And so I am very much an advocate for dads getting involved early. I am very much an advocate on the um, employer side of degendering parental leave. And that means taking away the primary caregiver distinction that may be in some of your parental leave policies. Mm -hmm. Um, Because quite frankly, there is no such thing in many households as the primary caregiver, right? Like some days I'm primary, some days my husband's primary. We just pass a hat back and forth, right? Um, When you're founding parental groups, parental ERGs, caregiver ERGs, found it with men and women in mind dads take your paternity leave. I know that this is a challenge in many environments. I know that um, there are cultural norms that you may be pushing against. Mm -hmm. And um, to the extent you can normalize working parenthood and taking leave, um, that is a leadership quality, I think, in the workplace. I've heard of firms, for example, where no dads are taking more than like a week or two And then suddenly a partner takes the full leave. And then after that, everybody takes it. So it is really a leadership stance to go ahead and take your leave. And Mm -hmm. 
you know, recognize we talked a little bit earlier about societal and systemic issues. There's a general devaluing of caregiving in the United States, probably globally. And um, to the extent that you can elevate and um, make it normal to talk about caregiving responsibilities and uh-huh. to shut down conversations that imply that p- parental leaves are vacations and things like that. Yeah. Um, I think that will go a long way to helping to destigmatize and degender parental leave and engagement in, in family life. I agree. And I would say this, I totally agree with the leadership thing. If you're a partner, you're a male partner and you want to take leave, take it and take all of it because you're never going to create these norms in society without you guys leading the way. It's just not going to happen. Number one, number two, the research also shows that kids are better off with both active parents, mm-hmm. right? So you chose to have a kid. This is my little bit of moral responsibility here, but you chose to have a kid, be a parent. You know, they, they come first. They should be your priority more than your work. And it doesn't mean that you give up, you have to give up so much either. You're getting so much more. So I, I would encourage the men out there to take leave, especially the partner shareholder levels that can't because the fact of the matter is the younger associate males are never going to do it, at least not more for, you know, I've seen most of them a week, maybe two. Yeah. If the, if the partners don't. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> and it's a retention issue among the younger generation. I've with men too, not just a female issue. Yeah, exactly. No, I I have heard a male junior level associate say, um, you know, I had my first baby before I came to this firm. I won't say which firm it is. Um, and I want to have a second baby, but I think I need to leave this firm before I do it because I really treasure and value the opportunity to take leave. And that's not going to be acceptable within my group. And I know that. So I think I'm probably going to have to leave. So that's a loss for the organization, right? Which is pathetic when you think about a couple of months, maybe tops to have somebody leave who could be a very, who could raise, you know, a great book of business, you know, become a partner, be a very valuable member of the firm long-term over being gone for a couple of months, maybe like that's outrageously dumb. (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. And also I would just note that mindful return has a course for dads as well. So maybe a a year and a half or two years into founding mindful return employers were coming to me and saying, we need a general neutral option. We need to help our dads too, which I appreciate. And so I teamed up with this wonderful dad named Jeremy Smith, who took two extended paternity leaves from bank of America. And, um, he in the course, both guides dads through conceptualizing new parenthood as a father and also how to normalize those conversations and awesome get the gumption to do it and value it so um feel free to head over and join the dad group as well awesome and again we'll have a link in there in the show notes for for the dads out there okay so we've talked a lot about how to take a mindful parental leave and return to work I think it's important for us to go into like how do we deal with this from the employer perspective right? So what can law firms and companies do differently or better so that they can keep more of their talent and not lose them like we were just talking about? And I guess that's kind of like a big picture theme of what I want to get into now. Specifically, like what can management and HR do to help their attorneys, to help their employees prepare for and take their parental leave in a way that's helpful to both? Because obviously there's an effect on the company, 
on the firm to some extent and every, you know, but how can they help that transition process even more? Yeah, there are so many things. I'm going to try to figure out where to start. I think one is, you know, don't ignore the fact that this is a big issue, a big transition, and that the transition process is not an event, but rather like an entire maybe six to 12 month process. Right. And so it's not, oh, okay, they're back. No, everybody's fine, ready. We can just ignore the person again because they're back. It really is that we have to support the person through the transition of going out on leave and coming back. Uh I'll come back to what I said earlier about information about parental leave not always being streamlined or consistent. So I Uh think from an HR perspective, it's really important to have centralized information about where people can go to find all the resources relating to parenthood, um, to have them accessible in a way that doesn't cause someone to have to come forward and identify themselves as, hi, I'm thinking about having a baby, right? They they should be available Uh regardless. Uh Um, And I think um, just generally speaking to managers, of people who are going on leave to partners who are working with associates view their career in the long run, value them for the long run. Don't think, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, she's going to be out next month. So she's not worth whatever to me. No, you were saying earlier, take the perspective of the longer term, this person could build a really big business, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, a big book in the future. So take that long view. Um, I am a big fan of ramp up and ramp down policies. Um, more and more firms are now paying for ramp up at 100% pay. And um, meaning when you come back, for example, that you don't have to be back 100% the first month or two, maybe you're back 60% the first month, 80% the second month, and um, 100% the third month. And having these policies Mm. be that you are automatically entitled to them unless you choose otherwise, right? Don't make it be that okay. the person has to come begging the firm for the the flexibility to come back on a reduced schedule if that's what they're choosing, right? So it should be automatic. And if they choose to work more of it, so be it. But that's exactly. their choice. Yes. How do you make that automatic though? <laughs> I guess it might be a policy, right? But then they come in and they work for somebody else. Oftentimes, let's say it's an associate who's taken a leave and they work primarily for a partner who is a workaholic. So how as, you know, what can management HR do to help ensure that it truly is enforced? Yeah. So I think there are probably conversations that need to happen among partners, right? To get the allies Right. Of the person to be talking to the workaholic, to get HR to be talking to the workaholic. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't just be on the shoulders of the parent coming back to no. set those boundaries. Although I do have to say that this comes back to systemic problems versus what we can do individually. Um, I had a, a person during the pandemic say to me, um, you know, my the partner I work for knows that I'm supposed to be off from six to eight every night so I can take care of my family and do bath and bed. And he just like he'll call me, you know, at five thirty and say, "Can we do this meeting?" And like he just doesn't remember. And if, w- mm-hmm. when you when you're working for someone who just can't seem to get it in their head, then I think you almost have to, if you're going to continue working for them, go into neutral. Remember that it's Groundhog Day, and be like, "Nope, can't talk, but I'm happy to get on a date." You know, and just sort of like repeat that mantra over and over, and really like set those boundaries for yourself. I would say to that that it's kind of bull that he doesn't remember. He's just seeing what he can get away with, right? And he's not prioritizing your schedule at all, right? Um, but no. I agree. He's probably yeah, seeing what he can get away he's, with. He's seeing what he can get away with. And so I love your advice. You just calmly, continually enforce it. 
he'll yeah. learn one of two things are going to happen either he's going to learn and he's going to start respecting the boundary or he won't and you know he never will right. and that's telling you something so that's when you get to make a choice as to do i want to you know what do i want to do here do i stay at the same firm and try to start working with other people do i move do i you know there are other options <laughs> yeah <laughs> right? no, unfortunately um, my husband often quotes that uh, definition of insanity which is doing the same thing over again and expecting a different outcome right so at some point right. you become insane yourself if you don't realize that this is just his mo um Correct. i mean paid leave is a big one right i mean firms i think are being more and more generous these days about paying for parental leave paying for support programs around that leave um lactation mm -hmm. support things like the mindful return program that help with the transition back i think can really help folks feel valued um one thing that i know has worked well um at the firm where i work has been a new parent outreach program a new parent mentoring program where and that um experienced parent in quotes uh mm -hmm. is paired with someone who is going out on leave and then hr actually sends me or whoever runs the new parent outreach program as a mentor sends me calendar outlook items of the times when i'm supposed to check in with the person and says like mm -hmm. okay now's the time you know they're on leave and you should check in they're about to come back you should check in um they okay. send you know the the company onesie and a couple of gifts like scattered throughout like a six month mm -hmm. period to remind to say to the person hey we value you we want you to come back like this is you're important we, to us you're important to us we value the addition to your family we view that as normal and i would to, say this i think it's important though that if you're going to have something like that that you ensure that you're picking the right people to be those mentors or whatever you want to call them because if it's somebody with kids that's not active at all in their kids' lives and just works all the time, that, that's probably not the best person to be putting yes. in, in that position, right? Absolutely. And it is, in this instance, a bit self-selecting. They reach out and say, is this something you know, mm -hmm. you'd be interested in doing? Um, and also to make sure that that program is gender neutral. You know, to have dads who are passionate about parenthood to also be mentoring the new dads who are coming in as well. Um, and the last thing I'll just say is that in January, we launched um, a training program that's on demand just for managers. That is okay, cool. from Mindful Return. That is really all about building empathy and teaching managers not to make assumptions. Um, mm. Because I think partners and people who are managing others often assume what's going on in the life of the new parent and sometimes it's quote unquote benevolent um assumptions about you know well they probably don't want to travel they don't want this project that may be the furthest thing from the truth and the person may actually want the, the yep. next big project and so th this program is really designed to help them get inside the head of the working parent and to pause and think about the effect of their actions on the person who's returning from leave yeah you see that a lot i think especially mm -hmm. with moms so I remember um, when I had my, it was my first kid, and because I was still an associate, there was this big conference that we always went to every year. And it was big in my industry and everybody went. It was a huge deal. And you a lot of, you got a lot of business that way, right? By going and you strengthen relationships and stuff. And I was breastfeeding and it was assumed initially that I probably wouldn't want to go. And I found out and I'm like, no, 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 I'm going. I can still handle all this while yeah. I'm there, yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. And so like, I think there's a lot of assumptions that are made and you think you're being nice to them, right. but you're really depriving them of opportunities that they want. 
Yeah. So you need to, you need to not assume and ask. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yes. And you know, my, my husband works for himself. So it made what I'm about to say a lot easier, but the first, I'd say maybe year and a half to almost two years of my first son's life before we had to pay for a plane ticket for him, he came on all my work travel oh, <laughs> um, wow. and I would go to a conference and, you know, feed him at off times or whatever. And my husband had him for the rest of the time. And so it may very well be possible. I, I have a friend who um, took a work trip over to, it may have been um, Tibet, India, somewhere. She took her baby and she found a nanny over there who was willing to watch the baby while she did her work meetings and whatever. So, wow. you know, okay. you there are all sorts of options. Find ways to make it work. <laughs> and there's milk store, milk stork, the benefit of milk shipping service, which is another one that I highly recommend that all firms provide. Um, it's something that um, I know uh, hundreds of companies do at this point. Um, but just, uh, you know, paying for that work travel, I could get on another soapbox here, I'll do it really quickly. But for all employees, lawyers are not the only humans at a law firm. Yep, right. Um, these parent groups, these parent networks that we're creating, they should be open to everyone who works at the firm. We are all going through this transition together. It's yes, of course, we have different work situations. Yes, of course, we can break off into subgroups to talk about how to deal with billable hours and whatever. But we are all going through this parenthood transition together. Milk stork, paid parental leave, mindful return, all of these things should be offered universally to all employees at the firm. And the groups, the parent groups should be open to everyone who works there as well. Yeah. And I think that's a weird cultural thing within the legal world. Oh, honestly, it totally is. Yes. That, that I remember early on in my career going to my first firm and going like, why are people tranched this way? Like it seemed to me there were the, so you had the high level managers, the big billing partners, the smaller billing partners, the just made partners. It was like you were tranched in order of importance yes. all the way down to the lowly staff members. And I'm like, dude, without those people, we couldn't do all the stuff we do. Like, why are they not? I didn't understand why we were viewed in that way. And I think it's this weird thing <laughs> within the legal world that, yeah, you get it probably out there in the rest of the world to some extent, but it is on a much higher level in the law firm universe. <laughs> and it's yes. weird. It's very weird. Yeah, I left law firm world to go in-house to a trade association where we had PhDs and MDs and, you know, all people with all sorts of degrees and there was no tranching or casting or anything. And, right. you know, whenever I co-founded the parent group at my firm and I asked to make it open to everyone and was told no and eventually lobbied to have it open to everyone. But one of the cases that I made was there was a woman down the hall from me was having a baby and her kid was going to the same daycare as mine. Mm. And she worked for, I think, um, the recruiting department and mm -hmm. she wasn't allowed to come to the free brown bag lunch that no one was sponsored, <laughs> that no one was paying for, um, because she wasn't an attorney, even though like our kids were literally next to each other during the day. It was very bizarre. That is bizarre. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's a really big point. One other question I wanted to ask you, cause you mentioned it, you talked about, you know, um, easing people back in and having that kind of automatic, how often are you seeing that? Cause I, I, when I was practicing, I never saw that at all. Yeah. It's becoming way more popular probably over the past two years or so, okay. um, two to three years, I'd say like over the past year, it's become, uh, a tipping point, I think toward having it be hundred percent paid even for the ramp up. Um, but okay. I would turn to the diversity and flexibility Alliance, uh, for data on that. Um, probably a lot of law firms are okay. members of DFA mm -hmm. and they do all of the, um, they do benchmarking research on flexibility policies, parental leave policies, the ramp up, all of that sort of stuff. So you can um, both 
benchmark yourself against those other companies and they will come in and help you redline your policies to make them more consistent with industry standard if they are not. Um, I know I've worked with them, you know, while I was inside of the firm and found mm -hmm. that to be really helpful as well. I find it interesting because you never saw this back when I was taking leave for, you know, maternity leave, but yet it was definitely an extension given to me when I had cancer mm. and I didn't really understand what the difference was. They were both, I took leaves, my health was affected. Yeah. I didn't feel the same coming, you know, I mean, you have all these things and yeah, they're two different situations, but at the same time, it was a leave of absence for health reasons, which yeah. let's be honest, when people first have kids, moms, definitely, but even dads, you're not sleeping as much. You don't feel the same. You don't, you know, and you, you need to have a ramp up period, just like I needed a ramp up period when I came back from cancer treatment. Yeah. And it, to me, it was very odd. I don't think you should view those things differently. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. No, they, they seem like they are analogous. Right. Um, and one of the arguments that I know, um, Menar Morales, who heads up the diversity and flexibility Alliance, I know one of the arguments she makes is when you're a new parent, you're not like flipping the switch on 100% nine times out of 10 anyway. And it's going to take you a while to get integrated into the projects mm -hmm. uh, that you would work on. And so when firms scream, oh, I can't possibly pay 100% for that, you already are. So go take credit for the ramp up 100% yeah. policy, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. So we've talked about the policies that should be in place, and that's one thing. Obviously, having those policies in place is necessary to create a better culture. Yes. But just having policies isn't what creates the culture. So can you talk a little bit about the difference between policies and cultural norms and then maybe get into if the policies aren't having the intended effect and you've got some management seeing this, that we're not really where we want to be, what can they do about it? Yeah. So data, 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 Karen. <laughs> so let's take the example of paternity leave, for example. So let's say you got rid of a gendered parental leave policy because you want everyone to be taking leave. And mm -hmm. now you don't have primary and secondary caregiver. And it just says everybody who has a baby gets X, right? But it may very well be that your dads are not actually taking the leave. And so mm -hmm. when I say data, 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 go back and find out, look over the past, let's call it three years, if you've had that policy that long or however long you've had the policy and actually look and see how many fathers are taking their leave and how many days of their leave are they taking? How many weeks of their leave are they taking? And then if you're in a firm, look at it by practice group, look at it by mm -hmm. office and see what it may be across the board that your numbers are okay, but it may be abysmal in certain practice groups and it may be amazing in others. And you want to sort of identify where the problems are so that you can then have structured it. interventions with yep. the groups and the offices where the, the intent of that policy is not being matched by the data on the ground of who's actually taking it. Okay. Yeah. So basically at the end of the day, they, they got to be very proactive and really have adopted the, we're going to create this cultural norm. Yes, exactly. Which means having tough conversations with some people. <laughs> As having we all tough know. conversations, yes, yes, and celebrating the people who are taking it, right, and rewarding and making examples of the person who was promoted to partner while in the middle of paternity leave or something mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. um, so that you are showing the world that it, the person is still valued in your now, community. That means, y'all, that you have to actually promote people 
who are up for promotion who have recently taken leave because yes. you don't see that a lot, right? I mean, and, and that may have changed in the last four years since I left private practice, but I do know back when I was practicing, the vast majority of women who took leave when they were up for partner within that year, year and a half, even sometimes two year period were passed over. Mm -hmm. And often they were told it was because they, they just didn't have the same experience because of all the time they took off, which I think is a bunch of bull for the most part, because I don't think that being out for a couple of months really affects their experience. When you look at their entire eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 year career, depending on what firm you're at, I mean, it can take that long to make partners. So I'm like, really? I What's three so. months out of a decade? Really? It's not. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you need to look at your assumptions and your biases also, I think, mm -hmm. as a Absolutely. firm and yeah. start really looking at how are we treating this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you so, so much for being here. This was wonderful. There is a plethora of information that you've given us. I think we could talk for hours longer if we really wanted to, <laughs> but um, let people know where they can go to find you. Absolutely. Thank you, Heather. It's been a real joy to have this conversation with you. So thanks for inviting me on. Um, you can find me at mindfulreturn.com. Um, my email is lori, L-O-R-I, at mindfulreturn.com. And on the Mindful Return uh, website, you can find information about the mom course and the dad course. Um, I can provide a flyer about the manager training, if that's something that you're interested in. And I'm on all the usual social media sites um, at Mindful Return on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And now I, we, I host a weekly room over on Clubhouse uh, on Fridays awesome. at noon for anybody who wants to come and talk about all things parental leave and juggling work and baby. Um, I also co-host a podcast called Parents at Work, which you mentioned earlier, and wrote a book called Back to Work After Baby that you can find on Amazon. Well, wonderful. Thank you so, so much for being here today. It's been a pleasure, Heather. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. So that is it. I hope that you enjoyed Lori as much as I did. Obviously, I enjoyed our conversation so much and covered so much that I was able to get two whole episodes out of it. One thing I wanted to say that occurred to me that I think I meant, I meant to say last week and I didn't get to was this is all about, at the end of the day, priorities. I mean, not all about, I guess, but a lot of this comes down to priorities. And if you if you want to take your parental leave, it needs to be a priority. And if you want to mindfully return, it needs to be a priority, right? And we talked about boundaries last week. And we also talked about the men out there and how so many of them really do want to take more parental leave. And so I thought I would reference a couple of episodes in case you haven't listened to them. Because I have talked a bit about priorities, how to prioritize, the mindset of prioritization. They were housed under their productivity episodes. There were two episodes. It was a series of episodes. Episodes, I think it was nine and ten. And I will link to it. And Because here's the thing. Being productive it can't ever happen if you don't know how to prioritize properly. That is the foundation of productivity. And you need the right mindset because prioritization is really hard. And then you need to know how to prioritize properly. So I do recommend if you have not listened to those episodes, and even if you have and it's been a while, maybe you go back and listen to them, I will link to both of them in the show notes. And then finally, before I leave you, please do give me a rating and review if you haven't already. They tell me that it helps to um, 
boost my podcast and get it found. And I do want to get in front of as many attorneys and other busy professionals who would find this podcast useful. So if you're enjoying it, I request that you give me a quick rating and review. That's it for this week. I will see you next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life and Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a subscriber, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both life and law, including the Life and Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.